On today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, Trent Condon and LaShawn Daniels get ready for the matchup against Nevada and the decision to stay with Spencer Petras at the quarterback position. Circling the wagons in Iowa football, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more as we go inside the Hawkeyes today. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Trent Condon here, LaShawn Daniels there. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. And thank you to today's episode sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. LaShawn, today we'll be making our picks. I battle my way back to Mount 500. You're just a tick below it at four and a six. We'll make Five more picks here today presented by Bet Online. getting ready for the football weekend. But before we get into that, certainly a lot to talk about here this week. So we talked on Tuesday. At the time, we were just finding out that the depth chart had been released. Spencer Petras had spoken, said that he was going to be the, support, the starter. Came as a little bit of a surprise, but now a few days later, a little bit longer to stew on it. Your takeaways after kind of a wild week that was here inside of Iowa football. Yeah. Uh to be honest, I wasn't really surprised by it. Um, as we as I know personally, um, and as I'm sure a bunch of everyone in the media has learned that Coach Parents isn't just gonna be swayed by um general opinion or or whatnot to to make a change especially at the quarterback position, right? Um, and Coach Ferentz is definitely a very, very loyal, loyal guy in the sense where, like, hey, like, if he decides, like, yeah, like, we're going to rock with this guy, like, he's going to pretty much stick behind him, um, you know, through thick and thin. So it didn't really come as a surprise to me, to be honest. Like, I figured that he was going to keep him keep him as a starter, even though uh, my personal feelings feel like, we could use a change or we could use something to just get some, some juice flowing um, offensively right now. Uh, because as I talked about in the other podcast, I feel like right now we're kind of just, uh, we're lost right now. We don't really have a true uh, identity on the offensive side of the football, but when it comes to the decision to start Spencer or insert any other quarterback there, um, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me. Um, I mean, we've seen it throughout the years and I mean, I've seen it up close and personal, right? I mean, uh, when Coach Ferentz decides on his guy, like he's basically leaves the leaves him there until it gets to a point where you know it really can't go any further. So I want to go this direction here with you. Obviously, we find out to this week, and a couple of the beat writers, Chad Lystico and Tom Kakert, have said that the anticipation is that both Keegan Johnson and Nico Regani are going to be this week. Limited basis, more than likely, you know, anticipate maybe 15, 20, 25 snaps, something like that. They're not going to be out there in a full-time role, but that's going to help out a lot. Getting a wide receiver, that's going to go a long way. You're excited about getting those guys back out there, and it's going to help out the offense. I don't think they've gone 11 personnel all season long and how much that limits what you can do in the playbook going forward. But, LaShawn, when you look at that, getting the receivers back, that's going to be good. But as it pertains to the running game, 
it seemed, at least from my untrained eye, very simplistic, that there, there just didn't, hasn't been a whole lot that they've done, very little jet motion, things like that. In the running game, what more can be done outside of the guys block better and you find the holes better? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot of scheme stuff that you can do um, in the run game to have more success, right? I think but one place a lot of people typically go to start is obviously getting back into the basics and running the basics like really, really well. And obviously, as we've seen over the past few weeks, couple weeks is we've been running our basics and we still haven't had much success um, with it, right? Part of it is our inability to pass the football and move the ball consistently. Um, uh, you know, when we have opportunities offensively and then some of it is also scheme wise, right? I mean, uh, I know that they, that I will typically do try to introduce a bunch of motions and stuff usually, right. Um, whether it be from the tight ends or receivers just to get some, some leverage on the defense, right. Force the defense to, have to think and adjust and do different things. But when you got, you know, a bunch of guys that are in there kind of playing football, real real life football snaps for, for the first time when it comes to extended play at the division one level, uh, it ends up having to be a little bit more vanilla, right? You can't do some of those different things and you're kind of limited in the personnel that you can bring out and put on the football field. Um, and I feel like we, we've seen that over the past couple of weeks in the run game. So, but all that stuff doesn't really matter as much right right now right if we can't we can't really run run our base stuff right and they want to install things that we that we cover very first day in fall camp very first day in spring practice is inside zone um outside zone right those are the first two plays we get installed and right now we we just haven't been able to run it regardless of what personnel we have in the game regardless if we add shifts and motions um it just has not been blocked well. Um, and it really hasn't been blocked well over the past two years, I would say. Like, it, it really like it didn't look great last year either. I would say there's a few games here and there where the run game looked all right when we were running our base stuff and we were actually hitting it and we looked good. Um, a recent example was the Kentucky game. Um, I felt like the offensive line really had a rhythm going in that game and being able to run the football um, especially later in that game. Obviously, we didn't get the win that we would have liked, but I did see some encouraging things. And right now, like I just feel like I haven't seen that consistency um, just in general from the entire offense in the run game um, and really running some of our, our basic offense. So there was uh, earlier this week, I think it was on SiriusXM, and uh, there, there was a former college player. I think it was Jacob Hester. That's who it was. That, that was talking the former LSU running back. And he was talking about what he saw out of this Iowa team and looking at Iowa tipping things off, how the tight ends were lined up, how the offensive line were looking, those tendencies that, boy, on the surface, if a guy that doesn't even have the coach's film can pick that up on the TV feed, I mean, that's scary. You know the way that defensive coordinators are breaking things down. Is that a possibility that, that Iowa has these many tendencies this early on and, and it's very simple with the young offensive line that they're tipping – it's already pretty easy to defend Iowa, what you're going to do and what we're going to see schematically. But with you couple with that, when the offensive line and the tight ends are also showing what you're going to do before the snap, is, is that realistic or is that a guy that maybe seeing something that isn't exactly there? No, that's realistic. Uh, I definitely believe it yeah. because I remember when we, when I was playing, I mean, there'd be times like we'd come up lined up in a formation 
uh, or we make a certain check <laughs> and the defense is literally like calling out the play, like, like where it's going or anticipating like what's happening. And I'm like, and I'm like, during the play, like right before the play, like going through my head, I'm like, dang, that's a pretty, pretty good guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of that comes from obviously, again, Iowa's offense, like run game wise, is very, very simple, mm-hmm. right? It's nothing um, too crazy. Uh, it's inside zone, outside zone, power, power right, power left, like uh, a lot of, lot of basic stuff. So obviously, every now and again, we do add in some different wrinkles. Uh, to the run game, but for the most part, like those are the three type of running schemes that we run, and a lot of times based on, on alignment and you know motions that we have in certain plays, right? Like you can go back through years and years of film, basically twenty years of film, and see that stuff, and you're like, wow, well, this is what they've shown in the past. We know Iowa isn't really that creative of an offense, right? So it's not going to be too much different, so we can kind of anticipate um what's going to be coming just based off of this certain look and especially um knowing the situation whether it's you know we got a second and long right or you know we have a third and short um and those things because like those tendencies are are blaring pretty pretty loud even for people who again are just watching the tv feed mm-hmm. let alone for you know defensive coordinators and other teams that are actually getting paid to do this stuff and, and look at that film and break down that tape um, day in and day out. I've felt like throughout the years, there's been a whole lot of tendencies. In fact, we're going to talk about that when we come back. Lashana, get your perspective on just that. There has been some numbers going back to your day when Greg Davis was the offensive coordinator's numbers today where you wonder, self-scouting, how much is that done inside the Iowa program? We will talk about that when we continue here in a moment. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including the opening week games and what we have going on this week, week three of the college season, and, of course, week two of the NFL. The fastest and easiest ways to check in on all your favorite sports, not just football, baseball, golf, boxing, MMA, they have you covered at Bet Online. Head to the website today or hop on your phone and learn more about the trends and the action Bet online where the game starts. LaShawn, talking about what we've seen from this Iowa team and certainly some of the frustrations that have been out there at this point in time offensively, Greg Davis, there was a number I remember, and I want to say maybe it was your senior year. You guys threw the football something like 75 out of 76 times when you were in shotgun. There, there was just no semblance of running out of the gun, and I'm sure there was a couple of times you sit there and you're sitting on the right or left hip of CJ and saying, can, can, can we do something here? Can, can you just hand me the ball? Those tendencies. And seeing more of those tendencies now today with Brian as the offense and coordinator. And there's a, numbers very similar to that. Iowa under Sutter, it's going to be a run. Iowa's in the shotgun, it's going to be a pass. You have, if not the best, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country on the other side. Doesn't Phil just look over at times and say, come on, guys, this is simple. It, I just it's it's baffling to me you have a guy that is that smart, that sophisticated in what they do defensively, and it just feels like at times Iowa, they don't scout themselves. Am I crazy? <laughs> uh so you're not crazy. You're definitely not crazy. Uh when I was in school, yeah, whenever whenever we were in shotgun, yeah, it was like ninety percent of the time it felt like like we were we were passing the football, right? And if we were running it, 
it was basically it was pretty much a draw play right whether it be with the running backs right or it be with cj right so yeah i i feel like a bunch of it goes back to kind of of like that pride and, and knowing kind of what we do and being prideful in that and obviously a little bit of ego goes in that too it's like hey we want to line up right we want to play that old-fashioned kind of big 10 physical football right line up under center um run the football downhill kind of right at you and and force you force you to stop it um but obviously in this day and age with how football has moved to obviously a more spread look whether you look at it you know in high school or all the way up to the professional levels right i mean people are spreading guys out all the time um it's very rare where you see a consistent team kind of going under center all, a lot and running football downhill a bunch so when you are scouting iowa and you see hey if they're under center most of the time it's either them running the football or they're doing some type of uh, bootleg play action right it's, it's it's very very simple to defend against right and then you can also take a look at the personnel too because it's like okay if they're bringing 11 personnel out high probability they're going to be in shotgun very, very high probability that it's going to be a passing play, right? Because we, I know when I was in school, like, especially like when, like in practice, like in, whenever we ran like regular run plays, like out of the gun, like it, it never really looked great in practice. And mm -hmm. part of that came just because you yeah, at least you didn't practice it a bunch. Um, and again, I think part of that goes back to, obviously, uh, Coach Ferentz and kind of what he wants the, the offense to look like and that is physical downhill type football um that old-fashioned um, brand of ball where again we take care of the football we play smart we play tough we play physical um and you know we, we make a bunch of the makeables and we obviously don't beat ourselves and i think part of that ends up going back to to the offensive thing but yeah definitely self-scouting uh <laughs> would be huge for us because yeah we do have a lot of tendencies that it gets to the point where defenders can call out the type of audibles that we make just based on, you know, what they're doing. Right. And, and getting a look at the, the lineup that we're in. Right. So, yeah, I feel like there's, there has to be some type of change when it comes to the running game, because again, right, right now it's very, very, very predictable. And it's obviously it's not helping our young offensive line out at all. And I would not being able to run the football is really a recipe for, for disaster. Yeah, and we've certainly seen that. So it is Nevada this week, a Nevada team that has been, frankly, bad. The Wolfpack come in here, though with a 2-1 and one record, they beat two of the worst teams in FBS football. New Mexico State is brutal. Texas State is right behind them. These are two bad teams, and they had a lot of turnovers in order to do that. So they forced turnovers, but they've done it against awful teams. This really should be a game that Iowa rolls. And with the return of the wide receivers, it's going to help out this offense so much. I mentioned no, in the Iowa playbook, and I know it's evolved from when you were playing a little bit more, but, I mean, can you imagine going in and playing two weeks without being able to go to 11 personnel? And it's just, it's unthinkable that you can't even do that because you don't have three wide receivers that you're confident to be able to go out there. I, that's going to help. And now looking back in a little retrospect and as fired up as I think everybody was earlier in the week, I understand Kirk's position at the quarterback spot. He wanted to give Spencer Peters a real opportunity. You know, when you're going out there, when you got Wick and Jack Johnson in your two and three wide receivers, Arlen Bruce is your one, that's not giving a real option to your quarterback. So with these guys coming back this week, with a little bit of help, with a little bit 
of just a, a real wide receiver crew at the Big Ten level. I just think he wanted to give him an opportunity against a bad defense in Nevada. One more shot here. Now, if it goes awry here, and it's you know a, a 7-3 game in the middle of the second quarter, this is the time I think you completely have to say, all right, we have seen enough here. But looking back at least, I understand a little bit more in retrospect exactly where Kirk was going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and as part of uh, what a little bit what I've mentioned earlier, right? Like he 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 chose his guy, right? And there's like there's a reason, right, why they felt this way, you know, going into the season, right? And two weeks in, again, you know, it's a long year, right? Even as poor offensively as a whole, we've been not just Spencer, but everyone, right? Like you you still want to give some guys some some opportunity to show a little bit, right? Especially when now we're gonna get getting some guys back, uh, which helps out the offense tremendously, right? Not limiting um your personnel to 12 and, and 21 personnel uh type packages. So it's gonna be a big help for for Spencer to get those guys back. But again, as poor as Nevada is, it still kind of makes me nervous because it's like, well, what if we go out here and, you know, we still look the same as we've looked over the past few weeks, right? Like that can be not only frustrating for, for us as fans, but probably even more frustrating for, for, for the players, right? Because it's like, hey, like we finally got some guys back, right? We know we've been struggling, right? We've been working hard in practice. And then now like we, we finally get out there again against a team that, um really is is not great on paper and you know to still struggle and not play the type of football that uh Iowa typically brings can be very very frustrating so uh it's going to be interesting to see how they come out and play I think they'll play again much better than they have the past couple weeks getting some guys back um but again it's still one of those things that makes me nervous not nervous at the fact that uh that they're going to lose the game, but nervous in the fact, like, are we going to see some, some type of improvement, right. Offensively, right. Especially when, you know, during the football year, you make your biggest jumps from week one to two. Well, now that we got some guys back, how big of a jump are we going to make from week two to three? So. Uh, I think a really good point there. LaShawn Daniels, former Hawkeye running back. I'm Trent Condon. This is the lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We continue on the other side with, our picks for the week. We will pick the Iowa game. Hawkeyes now up to a 24-point favorite. Of course, they've combined for 14 points the first couple of weeks. That shows you just how bad this Nevada team is. We'll talk about that one. Also, the big games of the week as we continue here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Okay, LaShawn, ready for it. Our degenerate picks for week three here. <laughs> two and three for you again last week. I went three and two. I was able to eke out a winning re- week. So I'm back to 500 after we both went two and three in week one. I, I want to make a little audible. So I, fa- I set you five games this week. I want to kick out a game. I forgot to put the Oklahoma-Nebraska game in there. I want to pick this game this week. Can we? Is there a game in there we can take out? Maybe the BYU-Oregon game? Anything that you don't have a strong opinion on that we can bounce out of there? Uh... Either BYU-Oregon or Miami-Texas A&M. All right. Well, let's do the BYU-Oregon because I don't have a strong feel in that one. I do have a strong feel in the Miami A&M game, so I want to keep that one in there. So <laughs> we'll, we'll adjust okay. on the fly here. I, I got to give myself, you know, you're, you're a real football player. I, I played in middle school and early in high school. You know, I, I you got to step <laughs> up on me, so I got to be able to do a little something here. So we'll take out the BYU game. We'll replace it with Nebraska. They're getting 11 and a half. Uh, in their game at home against Oklahoma. But our first game here of the week, I'm really looking forward to this one. And 
and maybe more for the kind of ambiance and, and the buildup, Auburn on the Plains playing host to Penn State. We saw that game a year ago. It was a whiteout. This one, 2.30 on CBS. Not a night game, but they're going to do an orange out. I think it's going to look really cool at Auburn you know, with the Penn State, obviously, whiteout, them coming to town here. I still don't have a great feel on this Penn State team. They're so inconsistent. They looked really good at times that Thursday night game against Purdue. They also looked really bad at times there. I think there's some young talent coming in. I'm excited about the future of what they're going to have, maybe at both the running back spot and quarterback. But ultimately, Auburn, it's, it's such a weird spot. They tried to get Brian Harson fired after a second year. The weird boosters down there. I mean, LaShawn, you never had to deal with boosters like the, they, those guys have down in the SEC in your playing days. It's a different animal down there. I'm going with Penn State, but I don't feel real, real confident. Where are you? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. Like, again, I only watched Penn State the one time against Purdue. Um, and as you mentioned, right, at times they look really good, and there's other times where they looked extremely poor, right, where they couldn't do anything offensively, couldn't stop anything defensively, right? It was just kind of a mess, right? And And they're coming off a year where, again, where there is a lot of right possible like movement within uh Penn State and again right now this year they're trying to write that ship again and I still don't have a good feel on how good they're going to be or how bad they're going to be kind of same thing with with Auburn right I think Auburn was a very very pedestrian team last year as well and again they had a bunch of offseason drama um so I don't really have a solid feel on either team um, obviously, it's not going to be easy to head down into to the SEC and, and play an away game in, in that environment. We know um, Auburn's going to have a fantastic, uh, you know, turnout. Um, it's going to be a great environment. But I do feel a little bit strongly, uh, a little bit stronger about Penn State than I do Auburn, and I think that's that's where I'm going to be headed. Uh, my pick. Same side. We're go- both going to take the Nittany Lions here with our first pick of the day. All right, let's continue and uh, let's go to the game that I bumped out one to put in the other. Nebraska, I think it's more than anything getting rid of just that bad cloud that was hanging over Scott Frost. I heard a player, I think it was going into their second game after they, of course, lost week one or week zero to Northwestern. He said, yeah, we just want to win something for coach. It was like they felt bad for him and they had to do something and they struggled even in that game against North Dakota and then the wheels completely fell off, giving up 600 yards and 45 points to Georgia Southern, who was running the triple option a year ago. And they gave a 400 yards pass. It's just absolutely incredible. Frost is fired, and I think ultimately that's going to help. They played really well last year at Oklahoma. They've been involved in so many tight games, and I think that continues here. I think we're going to see an inspired Nebraska team. I'll grab the 11 and a half and the Huskers. Yeah, I, I, I think obviously moving on from Scott Frost is going to be a huge, huge deal for the Nebraska team, right? Obviously, they played Oklahoma tough last year. I mean, they played virtually every single football game they, they have tough, right? They make it difficult, more difficult than it needs to be, right? Or they play up to a team, right, where they should have no business really competing. Um, and all that said, though, I still think that Oklahoma is a very, very strong football team. Uh, I think they got a fantastic coach in there um, right now who, again, who has big aspirations to see make a college football playoffs. And I feel like on the road to do that, um, Nebraska is just another team in the way. And uh, I don't feel like they're going to have enough strength. Even being at home, even moving away from Scott Frost is going to be enough. Right. I feel like there's two, there's a lot of different things that's going on within the Nebraska program. 
uh, that's preventing them from being where they probably feel they should be. And I feel like that doesn't really change too much uh, this weekend. So I'm taking Oklahoma. Going with Boomer sooner. All right, let's go to a game. I told you, have a strong opinion on this one. A&M, they make the change at the quarterback per- position, which is huge, right? I mean, you saw Hayes King. There, there was big-time struggles out of him. They go to the LSU transfer, Mac Johnson. Uh, listening to a couple of people that cover SEC football, they mentioned there's been people, coaching staffs, that were sh- so shocked that Hayes King won that job. A lot of people think that he is. Uh, Johnson's got a chance to still be a big-time quarterback after his transfer, the lefty, who will get the start here. I, I look at the bounce-back factor. I, Miami, Van Dyke's a really nice quarterback. I don't think, though, depth-wise, they're quite ready for this. AM's going to be ready. they they are so upset and frustrated after last week's awful performance. I think Jimbo is going to call a really good game. I just think AM's locked in here. It's a big spread. I mean, you're just shy of a touchdown. You're laying six, but I will lay it. I will take Texas AM and lay the six points. Yeah, I feel like that spread is big. Granted, obviously, we saw what AM looked like last week. Very, very, very poor. Um, just the entire team looked poor as a whole, right? I think. Uh, that they're realizing that just because you get a bunch of five-star recruits that you can't just waltz in and and win every single football game you play. You've actually got to, you know, coach these kids up and uh, support them and really, like, lead them to, to win a football game. And you didn't see that last week. Um, and I feel like, though, they will bounce back. I see Jimbo Fisher has done a lot of good things in his coaching career, and I'm sure that – last weekend left a sour taste in their mouth. So I'm sure that they're going to be trying to bounce back uh, for sure. And the fact that they, that they're at home, I think is going to help them too. Um, So I am going to take the spread um, with the Aggies, but I feel like Miami is going to still win it in a close game. All right. We're going uh, with uh, Miami in the spot for LaShawn. Let's go to our fourth pick before we get to the Iowa game. And for that one, we go next to, Michigan State going out to Washington. So my nephew uh, actually went to undergrad at Washington uh, in Seattle, talked about what a great tailgating environment it was. They weren't very good when he was there, but he said how much fun it was. He could go, he could tailgate on a boat right there on the sound and said it was just an incredible experience. And when the Huskies are good, it's a great environment. I don't know if they're good, but I think they're trending in the right direction. They got the right guy. That's what I know. Kalen DeBoer, a guy that, Played and coached at the University of Sioux Falls, a South Dakota guy. Went to Fresno. He was incredibly good that spot. He has won everywhere he has been. Washington's a good job, and I think he's going to do a good job there. Michigan State, Mel Tucker going with all the mercenaries, all the different guys coming in in the transfer portal. I think Washington's going to be ready. I think it's going to be a really fun game. I'm going to go with the slight home favorite. Give me Washington. I'll lay the three and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh. I think I'm right there with you, okay. uh, to be honest. I think I'm right there with you today on that one. Um, see, again, I still don't know enough about this Michigan State team. Obviously, I know that they were a great, great team last year, led by a fantastic running back, right, who carried them a bunch of times uh, offensively last year. And right now, early in the season, I, I feel like I don't know enough about them, right? I mean, they played like Akron last week. And then I don't even know who they played the week before. Uh, I think it was like Western Michigan, mm-hmm. but they they won they won both like pretty handily. But those aren't you know the most difficult of tests. Um, and to have this first test actually head out west, um, I think it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be easy 
easy, easy game at all. And I feel like Washington is going to come out strong and and play extremely well. I see they're going to have a fantastic environment um, coming in. And I know that Michigan State, they're still trying to coach Mel Tucker, is still trying to build the culture that he wants um, within that program. So I feel like this is going to be a tough test for them. And I feel like Washington is going to actually come out on top of this one. All right. So we're both on the Huskies to cover the three and a half. Our final pick, of course, each and every week, the Iowa game. 6.30 kickoff on BTN. The Hawkeyes are up to a 24-point favorite. My question remains, how do they score 24, even against a team as bad as Nevada is that gave up 55 last week and over 600 yards of offense to Incarnate Word, a Catholic school out of Texas. Ultimately, until I see it, I got to grab the points. I'm going to take the stupid wolf pack plus 24 and feel gross about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Same, taking the same. Oh, I no. mean, there's there's nothing that's shown me that Iowa can score 24 points. They haven't given me any glimpse of hope that tells me that they can score 24 points. So with that being said, right, give me the points. Like, I'm sure this game's going to be like, you know, 10 to 3 for the longest time, and then they'll get like a late touchdown, a late score late couple scores, right, and end up being like 24 to 3. But, yeah, I'm going to take the points. Um, Hopefully the offense and Iowa proves me wrong, though, and they come out um, firing on all cylinders and plays a fantastic offensive game. So at least for this week, we don't have to (laughs) nag on it too much. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we'll talk about it next week with you. LaShawn, as always, a lot of fun here. Iowa 630 kickoff against Nevada, and then it's Big Ten play and it'll be the first road trip of the season heading out to SUNY, the State College of New Jersey, Rutgers, week one before Michigan comes to town the week after the final tune-up here. We'll talk to you next week, LaShawn. Yep, for sure, for sure. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.